Well, church, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would, let's go to Mark chapter 10 again, right where I was reading. Now, I preach this message called The Blessing. I've preached it before. This is not the first time I've ever gone down this rabbit hole. But uh, I don't know. I was just stirred up yesterday thinking about this blessing of these children. And so, this is what I want to say. Jesus took time, we just read this scripture a while ago in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus just took time to take a child. Now think about this. The Son of God, but yet on earth. You know how busy Jesus was? Do you know how many people were wanting his attention? What it must have been like every, every time he was in public, everybody trying to get something from him, other people trying to kill him. Think about this. Part of the time, everybody's just saying, oh, just Jesus, if, you'll just, if I can just touch the hem of your garment, if, I can just, if you'll just bless me, if you can just, just and then you know, help me do this, do a miracle for me. And then the other people sitting around plotting to just trip him up in his words, do something so that they could find accusation against him to get him out of there, right? And he stops and takes time with little children to bring them up and get them in his arms and bless them. Think about that. That's amazing that he took time to do that. So I'm saying Jesus just would not have taken time doing that unless that meant something. Okay? So it says, now go to turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians 3, 13. And I want to talk about the blessing. I want to show you about the blessing. I want to try to get your minds this morning into uh, to, to grab hold of this and understand how important it is for you to be a blessing. It says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having made a, a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham, everybody say the blessing of Abraham, might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, because it doesn't do any good to say the blessing of Abraham unless you know what the blessing of Abraham is. And in Genesis chapter 12, you find this in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of the country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now just think about this. The blessing of Abraham was God Almighty saying, I bless you. Just think about that. Tracy just said, some, Ethan can come up, her grandson can come up, and he can get anything he wants. Right? It's how grandparents are. We spoil the kids, send them home, let them cry at house. Go home to your parents, you know. We get the best part of it. But just think about this. God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth, the all in, the, the God that says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own everything. I, every breath that's within our lungs is his. Because he breathed into us. He said, all the animals of the field are mine. Everything is mine. And he said, I will bless you. Now, folks, that's pretty all-inclusive. 
If God says, I bless you, I'm going to bless you, give you everything you want. A lot of times we're thinking about something physically happening, right? Oh, I was really blessed. I got some money in the, in the you know, that I wasn't expecting. I was really blessed because somebody gave me some, I, I was blessed. We think about my husband really blessed me. He did this. You know, my wife really blessed me. She did that. We're thinking about something monetarily or, or physically changing hands, but what about the blessing that all the times God saved you that you didn't even know you were about to get in trouble? What about all the times that happened out there, things in the spiritual realm, that because God blessed you, that you weren't attacked, you weren't destroyed? It's bigger than what you can imagine. Are you following what I'm saying? Blessing, he said, well, I never was successful at anything. Uh, you know, I don't know how God blessed me. You don't know what you, how bad it could have been. Hello? I had a, had a friend in, in high school, and this was, this was, you know, the good kid in the class, the goody-goody. He didn't do anything. He didn't do what we did. I wasn't the goody-goody in school, okay? Matter of fact, I'd already, like, retired from doing everything that I was doing by the time I was a senior in high school graduating. And these kids were just starting to flap their wings. Mine were already tired. I was ready to get married and have children, settle down. And so he went out one night, and the first time ever he went out and he drank and stayed up late, first time he'd ever done it. And that night they were coming home, had a wreck, and he was killed. And I never forget being at his funeral and just thinking, this kid never did anything wrong. How many times had I been out there and didn't remember how I got home? And what I'm saying is, is that you don't understand. Today, you, I want y'all to grab hold of what it means that God Almighty blesses you. And then what responsibility you have to be a blessing. See, he said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. All right, straight on. Go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Throughout all the Old Testament, you can find where, you know, Abraham, he blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob. It was a big thing in Jewish, in Jewish tradition for the father to bless the eldest son. And that child's life was either going to be successful or not by the blessing that the father put upon them. Now today, in today's world, nobody even grabs hold of this. Nobody even understands this. Nobody even really walks with this. But it says in, in 28.1, it says, Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and charged him and he said to him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Cana. Arise, go to uh, Padam Aram to the house of Bethuel to thy mother's fathers and take a wife from thence the daughters of Laban is the mother's brother and this is his blessing and God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee and thou mayest be a multitude of people he, he speaks this over his life and give thee the blessing of Abraham and to thee and thy seed with thee and you mayest inherit the land that you are a stranger in that God gave unto Abraham and he said so Abraham blesses, he, he, I mean, excuse me, Isaac blesses Jacob by speaking over his life, saying, you're going to have success. Hear what I'm saying here this morning, parents. 
with your children. You tell your children every day, whether they're talking back to you or not, you tell them every day they're blessings. You tell them every day they're going to be successful. You tell them every day that God is with them. You tell them every day that they're going to be overcomers and more than conquerors. You tell them every day that they are blessed and that you bless them and that you love them. And if you do that, that child's going to rate, is going to grow up with a sense of self-worth because he's going to know that his parents loved him and blessed him. Then he can receive the blessing of God into his life because he can understand the blessing. Now, today, some of you may be sitting here, some of you may be watching or listening, and you may be thinking, well, that didn't happen to me. I didn't raise like that. I was raised, you know, in a barn by wolves, and I didn't ever get blessed. All right? But let me tell you something. I'm going to bless you at the end of the service, and I'm believing God that every chain and every yoke and everything that's ever been spoken ugly and evil over you, every doubt and unbelief, every lying, no good for nothing devil ever said over your life is going to be broken. Because words, they always say, sticks and stones and break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Bull. That's the dumbest thing ever said. I'd rather have my arm broken than somebody curse me. Because I want to tell you something. Those words have daggers and have, have hooks in them, and they have ability that somebody says something to you. I told you that, and I've said this a lot of times, you know, I, was, I had a problem with dyslexia when I was growing up, and I could never get in my math problems right. And the teacher just didn't understand what was going on. She'd put a problem up on the, on the board and, and tell us to do the, uh, the, the math on it, and I would do mine, and then mine was wrong, and I'd get in the zero. And then they finally started noticing that I was reversing all my numbers, and I had the right answers to the numbers on the addition I had done. They just weren't the right answers to what was supposed to be on the teacher's deal. And I remember one time uh, one of the teachers said to me, you know, what is the matter with you? Are you just stupid? Why don't you write those deals down? And they, she said those words, and those words stuck with me. And a lot of my issues throughout school all had to do, well, if that's what they, you know, if I can't get it done and not going to do it right, well, then I'm not going to do anything. Those words spoke, and those words changed my life. And it wasn't until later on that somebody found me, and they said, hey, uh, you know, I want to do some testing with you. You stay after school and do this. And so I did, and they, they began to test me, and they began to find out that I had a great ability to memorize things. And so they said, after every, I remember, the, remember that person saying to me, with every weakness, there's a strength. You just gotta, we have got to find your strength. And then all of a sudden, I could remember 14-digit numbers and memorize them and have them in my head for weeks and weeks and years and years and months and months. One of my favorite things to do is to sit in the H-E-B parking lot while my wife is shopping and memorize license plates as they go by and see how many days I can remember them. I'm weird, Okay. When I'm driving down the road, I'm looking at everybody's license plate and memorizing them to see how many I can memorize by the time I get to San Antonio. It's easy for me to memorize. It's easy for me to read something and to memorize it and know right where it is. It's easy for me to memorize the Word of God and to have it, right and have it just right there with me all the time. But give me you know, a set of easy addition numbers on a chalkboard and, then, and I'm tired and expect, get me to write them down correctly. Or throw a bunch of B's and D's at me. And it doesn't compute. My brain won't do it. But that's okay. I finally found a blessing. I finally found a blessing in life, you see? So I played it to my strength. Well, praise God, if there was something I needed to be a blessing at, memorizing was a good thing when you're a pastor and you got to memorize the word. You, you with me? You tell me God didn't know what he was doing? But the words that someone spoke to me could have destroyed me. 
And I'm telling you today, you cannot let those words that have been spoken over your life destroy you. You cannot let those words that have been spoken over your life take root within you, that then that's going to define who you are. And this morning, it's time to stand up and rebel against the words spoken over your life and to go back in and to say, no, this is what's spoken to me. God Almighty blessed me. Okay? So I want to take a story here in the book of Numbers 22. It's a story of Balaam going to curse the children of Israel. And I have something here I want to just show you. Numbers 22, 22. Now, for you, those of you that may not know the story real well, I'm glad you don't, so I get to tell it again. There was this, this king named Balak. And the children of Israel were coming into his land, and he knew they were too numerous and too many that he couldn't fight them and defeat them in war. And so he tried to figure out a way that he could get around it. So there was this, he actually was not really a man of God. He, Balaam was a sorcerer. He was a magician. He made his, learn, his money and, and everything on, on basically, you know, kind of being shady. But he did know God, and he did have the ability to hear he from heaven. And so Balak decided that he would get Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel so that he could defeat them. Now think about this. Let's just say Balak wasn't the sharpest pencil in the box, okay? But why did this king want him to come and curse, pronounce a curse over Israel? Why did he think that would give him the ability to defeat them? Think about this, church. He put, he put faith in the power of this man's word to defeat his enemy. We don't, we don't put any validity in that. Now, let me just say something for us a bunch of rednecks around here. There's a difference between cussing and cursing. All right, let's just get this straight. All right? Cussing is using slang adjectives. Hello? Am I right, uh, English teachers, that would be an adjective? Would not a cuss word be an adjective you're adding on because it's adding on and enhancing what you just said? It's the best way I know how to put it, Okay and be civil in church. It's a slang adjective, right? Cursing, biblical cursing, is pronouncing upon a person wishing them ill, speaking so that every demon in hell could be loosed upon that person's life. That's cursing. There's a big difference, cussing and cursing. Okay? So, he wanted him to curse them. Because he felt like if he cursed them, that he could defeat them. So what I'm saying to you is Balak was putting power in words. Okay? So in verse 22, it says, The anger of the Lord was aroused because... Uh, hold on. I, mean, I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I'm starting in here. So the, Balak said to Balaam, I'll make you rich. I'll give you gold and silver. I'll give you all stuff. I'll make you rich in the kingdom. If you'll come curse them. Well, he, he, he got tempted. So he said, No, I can't do it. I can only speak what God says. But he really wanted to go with him because he wanted to get rich. And so then he kind of wormed it around so that he was going to go. And God told him, don't go. But he was going to go curse him. So 22 happened. The God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and the two servants were with him. 
Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way, and he went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey and turned her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood the narrow pathway between the vineyard with a wall on his side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot to the wall so that he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and he stood in the narrow path where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said, and she said to him, you notice it was a female donkey. She said to him, I disappoint I was bringing out. I don't, you know. He says, what have you done that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you've abused me. Now, folks, listen to me. You're out of your head when the donkey's talking. And you didn't just say, my donkey's talking. I mean, a circus act. You're rich. Hello? But you're all so out of your head. You're so crazy. The donkey's talking and you're having conversation with it. Because you've abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand now, and I'd kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey, in which you've ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, what have you, why have you struck your donkey these three times? But, oh, I've come out to stand against you because, this, because your way is perverse before me. Now look at this. <clears throat> what I've seen about this that kind of jumped out to me is that Balaam's going to curse Israel, right? Now, just listen to me. I personally, just being me, not understanding the spiritual nature of this, before this, wouldn't thought anything about it. If I was Israel and I was going through the valley and I looked up and saw some Yehu up there doing his chanting and throwing stuff and cursing me, I'd say, come on down here, boy, we'll tear you a new one. I wouldn't even think about that somebody was going to curse me. But because of what he was going to do, the angel of the Lord, that means the chief angel, the captain of the heavenly hosts was there to stop Balaam from cursing Israel. So what I'm saying to you is God put heavy emphasis on what was going to happen on speaking over Israel. In other words, God wasn't taking it lightly that his children were going to get cursed. He sent the angel of the Lord to chop his head off. So then I'm telling you this morning, it is pretty important that you stay out of cursing unless you want the angel of the Lord getting ready to chop your head off. And you may not have a talking donkey to tell you to watch out. But I'm telling you, if your donkey talks, please don't talk back to it. I mean, please. Call me quickly. All right? Get hold of your senses. All right? So then let's go to, let's go to chapter 23, verse 7. So the Lord says, finally... He works it out with Balaam, and he says, okay, you go ahead and you go with him, but you're only going to say over Israel what I say. You're only going to speak over them and pronounce over them the words that I give you. And he said, okay, I'll go. So he gets seven altars. 
He gets some, some animal sacrifices ready. He goes up on the mountain and look at verse 7, Numbers 23, 7. So he took up his oracle and he said, Balak, king of Moab, has brought me from the Aram and from the mountains of the east to come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. Look what he says. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There a people dwell alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like his. And then Balak says, what are you doing? You're not cursing them. You're blessing them. He said, well, I can only do what God says. He said, maybe if I went over to this other mountain over there and you built me seven altars and I did this all again, maybe then it'll happen. So he said, well, let's go over there. So they ride over there. They go to this other mountain. Pick it up in verse 18. So then now he gets up there to curse them again. And he took up this oracle and he said, rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, sons of, son of Zephyr. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. What God has blessed, hear me now, what God has blessed cannot be cursed. What God has blessed cannot be cursed. You hear me? Everybody say, I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. Say it again. Say, I'm blessed. And I can't be cursed. Okay. So, look over in 20, chapter 24, verse 1. So, I got good news for you, but I've also got some bad. Go on down a few verses. Well, let me get my Bible out. I didn't put this one down. 25, that's the reason why. Chapter 25. So the good news is you are blessed by Almighty God if you're under the blood, of covenant, blood covenant with Jesus Christ. You're blessed by Almighty God and you cannot be cursed. Amen? Bad news is, chapter 25, if you read it, what happened was Balaam kind of leaned over and whispered in Balak's ear and said, uh, look, I can't really curse them, but... Um, they can curse themselves. Send some hoochie-coos down there and get them to get in sin. And they're going to break their own covenant with God. And they did. See, what people don't understand is I hear it so much as being a pastor. People say to me all the time, why did God let this happen? Why did God do this? But did anybody ever stop to think about maybe you had a part to play in it and maybe you opened up the door and maybe you're the one that did it? Because Israel couldn't be cursed, but they could certainly get out there and break covenant with God and allow bad things to happen in their lives. And that's what happened in chapter 25. It says they committed harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited them to come in. They began to make sacrifices to Baal instead of Jehovah. They broke covenant with God, and a plague started coming in, and everybody started dying. And if it wasn't better, old Phineas, who was a righteous priest, who stopped the plague, it would have kept going and killed all of Israel. So Balaam could not curse Israel, but Israel could curse themselves. Y'all following me here? Under the new covenant, you're blessed in Jesus Christ. 
And in the new covenant, the blessings of Abraham are upon you because you have been washed of your sins and your iniquities, because you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He paid the price for you, and you've been made righteous. Glory. Amen? You've been blessed. You didn't get what you deserve. But then if you don't use that, and you walk into it, and you become evil in your thoughts and bad in your thoughts and cursing in your thoughts, well, then what you do is you end up cursing yourself because you're breaking your own covenant. God says we're supposed to be good people. Those are supposed to be blessings. Oh, we're not perfect people. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up, and that's what repentance is called for. But what's in the heart? I can say honestly, and I'll stand before God and admit it one day, and confess it, but I, don't, I have never had anything in my heart that I wanted to hurt somebody just because I wanted to hurt somebody. There's no evil in my heart. I don't want to. Jesus took that out of my heart at salvation. He delivered me from that. He washed me and cleansed me of that. I want to be a blessing. I get irritated. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, I got irritated once. I throw down sometimes. I gripe and complain. But the truth of the matter is, deep down inside my heart, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to be a blessing. If I had the magic pixie dust, I'd bless every one of you. I'd be put, throwing that stuff out everywhere. I'd turn Tinkerbell loose on you. But the truth of the matter is, we live in this life and we get irritated and we don't watch what we're doing. And sometimes in what we're not, what we're doing that's wrong brings the curse upon ourselves. So let me go here and finish up here at James chapter 3. James 3, and we'll finish up here. James 3 is one of those chapters that's pretty tough because he says we have something that can get us in trouble pretty quick called your tongue. So it says, <clears throat> let's just start here in verse 6. No, let's just start reading verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that they shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they must obey us, and we turn their whole body. Also, a ship, though it has so large, are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by the very small rudder, which is whoever pilots the desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Verse 6, a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. A tongue is so set among its members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Every beast, every kind of beast and bird, reptile, creature of the sea is tamed and is tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is, an, it is unruly and evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9. With it we bless our God, our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Okay. So this is where I want to end this and leave you with. As children of God, as, as, as born-again believers in Jesus, you have got to come to the reality that God places high importance on the words that come out of your mouth. Proverbs says death and life is in the power of your tongue. Okay? But you've got to understand, quit being so legalistic about what comes out of your mouth 
just be become determined that you're going to be a blessing. Just determine you're going to be a blessing, that you're going to bless people, that you're going to bless everything about you. You're going to come out of your mouth. You're going to be a blessing. Now, there's not any of you parents with your beautiful children here today that want them not to succeed. You want them to succeed. You want them blessed. You want them healthy. You want them to have a great life. You want them to be, you know, to, 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 to experience the beautiful things of life. And you want them blessed. Well, then say it. Say to your children, I love you. Say to your children, I, you are blessed. Say to your children, you're highly favored. Say to your children, you're going to be successful. Say to your children, you're, you're going to have the hand of God lead you all the days of your life. Be a blessing. And then learn from what you do with your children and turn it on to people. Be an encourager. Be someone that says to people uh, encouraging words. Because it brings life. It brings life. In my week, the week in the life of Robert Richards, like I, I take verse 3, where it says, I mean, chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, uh, don't become teachers because it's a stricter judgment. I, I would rather not have this job because I don't really like the stricter judgment that comes on me. And so because of that, I catch a lot of flack. But you cannot even believe Monday morning starts. Sometimes it starts Sunday afternoon. How many negative words are spoken to me in a week? Little things flying here and there all the time. People, issues, situations. Just little sharp snippets. And people don't understand what they're doing because they're just being used by the enemy to speak a sharp word. But I go through it all the time. Now I've gotten to where I'm just trying to... Because that's what it says. The Bible says they're going to, fire darts are going to come. But I'm telling you, they're coming all the time. And I, I mean, just, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to, to you to feel sorry for me because it doesn't make a difference. This is the call upon my life. The devil wants me to shut up, and I ain't going to. By the way, let me tell you something good. Brother Ivan called me yesterday, and we got a grant. The orphanage got a grant for $350,000 to build 50 widows' homes. So he calls me and he says, he says, hey, uh, you know, at the first of the year, remember we were praying about building 50 widows' homes? I said, yeah. And he said, well, we got the money to build the 50 widows' homes. And I said, isn't it amazing? One moment you're saying, Jesus, if you could just somehow make this work out, you know, oh, Lord, please. And the next minute we're saying, oh, wow, we're behind now. Because all the money's there. We just got to get them built. So then as we're talking about that, you know, we have this, this other church bought the well drilling system and sitting down there to drill wells. And uh, we hadn't quite got it all figured out. And uh, so then all of a sudden it hits me. That means 50 wells. And then I felt pretty good. And then I was telling Jimmy that a minute ago. And then I thought, oh, my God, it doesn't mean 50 wells because we already have 40-something houses there that need a well. we got like 90 to drill. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting overwhelmed. So the blessing of God just overwhelmed me. But just think about this. 50 widows been crying out for help. Fifty widows have been living in poverty and, 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 and been crying to Jesus for help, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Amen? So tell me our God isn't a big God. So little, little, I, I get used to just knocking off, but I'm saying I'm always on guard for it. And some of you need to get on guard in life and realize that sometimes 
Things are being said to you is what's making you depressed and what's making you discouraged and what's stealing your energy and stealing your joy. And you need to learn to be able to tell it to shut up or dodge it or do whatever because that's really what's coming. The curse is being tried to put upon you to steal your joy and your blessing. And it's not easy. You've got to fight. But I fight to say that I'm going to stay living in the blessing of God. Are y'all with me? It's just part of life. I'm not going to get away from it till I go to heaven. Hello? But you can do something about it. Don't let yourself be cursed. Stay in the blessing. Stay in the blessing of God and don't let yourself be cursed. Watch your own mouth. Don't say, well, God's never going to do this. Don't say that. Someone asked me the other day, said, Pastor, are you really believing God for $900 million? And I said, absolutely. Or do you, were you about to give me the check? I mean, and I honestly expected when they asked me that they were going to give me at least $90 million. He said, well, you're crazy. No, I'm not. You know what I'll do with $900 million? He said, well, that's a crazy amount of money. It is. But our God just gave us 350000 Praise God. So let me tell you, you're blessed, and this is what I want to do. I want to ask you just to put your Bibles up. I want you to stand up. Lord, come up here and, and, and play something pretty, please. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.